Specialty Story, session number 207. Whether you are a pre-med or a medical student, you've answered the calling to become a physician. Soon you'll have to start deciding what type of medicine you'll want to practice. This podcast will tell you the stories of specialists from every field to give you the information to make sure you make the most informed decision possible when it comes to choosing your specialty. Uh, Welcome to Specialty Stories. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week where I get to talk to some amazing physicians about their specialties to help you find the specialty of your dreams in your future. This week, I am talking to Dr. Laith Alshwabki about his specialty that he didn't know much about when he went into cardiology. We're talking about adult congenital heart disease. And we're gonna talk about why to me, That sounds like a little bit of an oxymoron, adult and congenital. How does that happen? We talk to Laith about that. We talk to Laith about why he was drawn to adult congenital heart disease, what he likes about his subspecialty, what he doesn't like, what his day-to-day life looks like, and so much more. Don't forget to subscribe to Specialty Stories so you get all of these podcasts delivered right to your device for free. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, go subscribe today. Let's go ahead and jump in and say hello again to Dr. Laith Al-Shwabki. He has been out in practice now for four years out of his training, and we start the conversation by talking about how he first became interested in adult congenital heart disease. This is an interesting specialty that I had no idea existed. Uh, When I went through med school, residency, and a good part of my general cardiology fellowship training. Um, In, uh, I guess in uh, med school, I knew I wanted to be a cardiologist. Um, I just loved the heart. I felt the heart was the most complex organ. It was harder to understand physiology and pathology of the heart. So uh, I guess I was drawn to it. Um, and then, uh, in residency, um, I developed an interest in interventional cardiology, having worked, uh, with an, um, a mentor who was an interventional cardiologist uh, on research. And I went to cardiology fellowship, uh, quote unquote, knowing that that's what I wanted to do. Interventional cardiology, um, comes the first day in the cath lab, uh, in fellowship. And, uh, I was like, eh. I'm not sure if I'm too excited about this. Um, I loved interacting with patients. I loved problem solving um, since I was a kid. And I just didn't feel that was um, a big of a problem enough for me, to be honest with you. Um, And so I started exploring and I did a uh, rotation with uh, pediatric cardiology uh, during my end of the second year of uh, my three-year fellowship. And I loved it. Uh, I just fell in love with it. It challenged challenged everything that I thought I knew um, about physiology, anatomy. And um, uh, I knew right then and there that that's what I wanted to do. Uh, So I did an away rotation um, in Boston for uh, a month in adult congenital heart disease. Um, and they had an organized program for a while. Uh, and I fell in love even more with this specialty. Yeah. So 
I think a lot of students listening to this may be very similar to you as like, oh, there's this whole specialty, subspecialty I didn't even know anything about. We'll hear adult congenital and go, well, that seems like an oxymoron. <laughs> if it's if it's <laughs> congenital, hopefully it was fixed or else they don't become adults maybe, right? Um, how, what, what types of things as a, an adult congenital heart disease specialist are you treating? Are you seeing? What, what are the patients coming to you for? Yeah, that's a fantastic. You hit the nail on the head. So uh, why is it called adult congenital? Well, uh, my friend, uh, at the turn of the last century um, or mid-century, I guess, um, when the heart and lung bypass machine was invented at uh, the University of Minnesota, um, that was a turning point in cardiac surgery. Prior to that, you couldn't really operate inside the heart. Uh, you mm-hmm. could operate inside the chest, and few people have done it, uh, but you can't really repair and fix lesions or shunts inside the heart itself. You had to stop the heart in order to do that. And um, quickly, uh, the field piggybacked on the technological advancement of the heart-lung bypass machine and innovative surgical ideas that had been developed way back when were finally able to be applied uh, to bedside. Um, And uh, it took about, I would say, 30 years or so of improvements of these original ideas, following up outcomes, until the uh, survival of babies born with congenital heart disease substantially improved. Mm-hmm. So um, by the year 2000, uh, the expectation was 95% of kids born with congenital heart disease would make it into adulthood. Wow. Um, previous to that, that number was dismal. In single digits. Um, so that's a remarkable, rapid explosion of um, um, basically medical breakthrough yeah. to treat congenital heart disease. And that allowed the vast majority of these kids to become now adults, created a massive need um, uh, on physicians, adult cardiologists trained in this specialty to take care of them. Aha. So that's the trick there is, is you are specialized in taking care of adults who, uh, as kids, uh, either went through procedures or, or had whatever congenital heart disease they have, um, and, and they are now in adulthood. And so you have the specialty training to continue to take care of them. So they keep getting older and older and older. Absolutely. And um, they will require, a lot of them will require repeat operations, interventions, um, special imaging, special care. If they become pregnant, they need special, um, you know, uh, delivery plan. And mm-hmm. if they need their appendix removed, they need anesthesiologists need to talk to you and you need to develop a plan for them to put the patient under anesthesia. Uh, so there's a lot of lifelong care that is required for these patients. So, so you're the one cardiologist, or so your specialty is the the one cardiology specialty that actually enjoys the uh, surgical clearance uh, requests. <laughs> <laughs> well, not only I quote unquote clear them, I uh, help them make a decision on uh, what and how to operate. Um, yeah. Not only on the heart itself, but also on the other organs. Fantastic. Interesting. Okay. What what traits do you think lead to someone being a, an, a good adult congenital heart disease specialist? Um, look, uh, you know, medicine is 
uh, it's a massive field. And uh, there's a lot we don't know about the human being's um, body. Um, what's important for any budding physician um, to seek uh, at an earlier stage is the curiosity and not to make up their mind too early. But every step they make, they make sure that downstream, they would have a lot of options uh, if they were to explore um, uh, what niche really um, uh, addresses their needs. Um, at the end of the day, this is something that you, uh, as a student now, physician later, would be doing for the rest of your life. You have to be happy at what you're doing. And I have to say, a lot of my joy in doing what I do, it has to do with the patients and the families. Yeah, These patients were born into the healthcare system. They're the ultimate educated health consumers. They can pick up who's caring, uh, who's a caring physician and who's not. Um, you really have to work hard to gain their trust uh, for them to open up and allow you to become the privilege to become their physician. Yeah. Um, and I love that. I love that relationship. So I, I had a conversation recently with uh, another physician uh, about maybe it's right to say, maybe it's wrong to say, maybe it's wrong to say um, that uh, a lot of physicians potentially like pediatric care especially these subspecialties like like um, congenital heart uh, surgery or or whatever else, because there's this potential thought of the, the kid, as you mentioned, was born into the medical system, right? The kid wasn't smoking three packs a day. The kid wasn't out eating fried food every day and not exercising. Definitely not acquired. Yeah, they, they didn't do this to themselves. And so it's interesting that you get that same sort of... Uh, Com I don't know if comfort's the right word because it, it's we don't want to talk bad about patients because everyone does what they want to do and we're here to take care of them. But but you still have that same sort of joy in taking care of patients that it's not acquired, right? The patient didn't do this them do this to themselves through their lifestyle or whatever else. Yeah, you know, Ryan, it's interesting because um, first of all, um, even acquired forms of heart disease like um, uh, coronary artery disease and so forth, a lot of it, is, some of it has to do with actually genetics. Yeah. So it's not just uh, uh, acquired yeah. habits and so forth. Uh, but for my patient population, um, the, the it's, it's intriguing how um, being forced to self-reflect into your own existence and, you know, ultimately mortality um, at a very young age. It's remarkable how it um, allows you the clarity and the wisdom um, as you carry on with your life. So a lot of the conversations that I really cherish with my patients is, was around that. Um, how do they perceive uh, their own fairly significant heart condition mm -hmm. um, with a the unknown they are the first pioneers or the first wave of survivors of congenital heart disease into adulthood so a lot of those patients yeah. there's nobody before them who survived this long um, 
So sometimes they don't know what the future holds. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, unfortunately, some patients may uh, find that um, depressing, and uh, there's a lot of in- interactions with uh, depression and uh, um, anxiety disorders um, in patients with congenital heart disease because of these issues. Yeah. But also, um, childhood operations way back when, uh, in the 80s, 70s, um, when my patients had their cardiac operations, um, was uh, evolving. Anesthesia was evolving. So some patients may come and tell you, I remember my surgery when I was six or seven. Um, I was paralyzed, but I felt pain. Mm. Um, that's really, really uh, a deep, deep uh, problem yeah. uh, for some patients and carrying the scars from childhood into adulthood, uh, how they want to make sure they remain um, uh, eligible for insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not eligible for life insurance, for example. Uh, what kind of job can offer them benefits? Yeah. Um, what life partner do you choose? Um, somebody who wants kids, who doesn't want kids, because uh, for women, some of them may not be able to carry their own kids. Yeah, most do, but some can't, or we're told they shouldn't uh, incorrectly. Yeah, very similar potentially to to pediatric care, where it's the the patient is not just the patient, but the family is also the patient. How much does that come oh, yes. into play with uh, with adult congenital heart disease? It's a, it's a, it's a team effort. Um, so I'm not the solo person. Uh, so we, I have coordinators, we have social workers, we have nurses with us to take care of our patients. Similarly, the patients will bring in um, either their parents or their loved ones uh, for support, but also um, just walking into an office sometimes can, can bring about some of those anxieties. Um, and it's really difficult for many patients to retain information during the medical interview uh, when you counsel them on stuff. So bringing in a, uh, an advocate for them, and usually that's uh, one of the parents, uh, is very helpful. We encourage that, actually. Yeah. Uh, because the mom would tell you, oh, Dr. X, Y, and Z, 1975 told us uh, do this or that, or told us my kid um, would survive to 30, but then, uh, likely they will not make it past 40. Mm. Um, a lot of, you know, untrue things were told way back when, because simply people didn't know. (laughs) Shocker. Doctors are not good uh, prognosticators. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's very, very good feedback because you really have to be careful when you're trying to project the future. Yeah. With the information that you have at hand, because you don't have the capacity to know what advances are going to happen in the future that may change that, those timelines. Definitely. Definitely. That's awesome. So talk about um, what a, a typical day looks like for you or a typical week. Yeah. So uh, this is an evolving subspecialty. So if you graduate fellowship in this specialty, there's a lot of opportunities to start your own program. Um, so that's what I did after I finished my fellowship in Boston and I moved to San Diego and I set up, uh, the adult congenital heart program here at university of California, San Diego. Um, so a lot of my work, um, have been administrative programmatic building, uh, hiring staff. Um, that's probably one to two days of my week. 
the rest is clinical care um, and research uh, to some extent. So clinical care, I see patients in the office. I see them in the hospital when they come in for their surgeries or procedures. I do some procedures. Um, I um, round on them in the hospital. Um, my highlight is when um, my patients uh, who are women and come in to deliver their babies. We've been working very hard for nine months or sometimes longer um, to uh, optimize their cardiac status. And uh, we help them uh, around the time of delivery and uh, to see the results of that is, is quite remarkable. Um, and then um, the rest of my time, I do it in research. I, I spend a day um, in research at least per week um, where um, I set up a database for research here for our program. I collaborate nationally with uh, different institutions. Uh, congenital heart disease, is, the prevalence is 1% um, or the incidence is 1%. Um, so it is fairly common, but you still need uh, to pull data from several centers uh, to conduct meaningful clinical research. So we collaborate uh, a lot with a lot of the institutions nationally and internationally uh, in research. Wow. Is the the fellowship like a, a formal ACGME fellowship or is it it's not recognized yet at this point? Yeah, I started in 2015. Uh, it was not an ACGME fellowship. It's a two-year fellowship. Okay. And in 2016, uh, the fellowship became ACGME accredited. Wow. Um, they came about with a new accreditation, and I was uh, grandfathered into the ACGME. So I was the first uh, graduate uh, graduating class um, that I was ACGME accredited. Yeah. For the, the the student who loves to work with their hands, how much of of your day to day work is procedure based? Um, not a lot. Um, so I, I do a lot of non-invasive imaging. Um, I do imaging support for interventions. So I do some of the procedures with them in the cath lab or the OR, mm-hmm. um, but it evolves around imaging. The cool thing about this subspecialty is um, you can actually develop a specific interest during those two years. Um, and for those who are really interested, sometimes you can extend it even further if you would like to do interventions on the patients in the cath lab. Uh, So that's a pure interventional pathway. Uh, There's a non-invasive pathway, which I did, um, has to do with advanced imaging, uh, 3D modeling for these patients' hearts. And uh, there are other pathways for electrophysiology, which is fairly procedural heavy uh, pathway. And some people just like uh, clinical uh, bedside care um, and uh, they do that or they do research. And so there's ample opportunities even for sub, uh, developing sub-interests uh, within this advanced subspecialty. Mm. What does the, the training path look like to get to where you're at now? Yeah, this is actually a cool subspecialty. The reason why is you can come to it from either pediatric or adult uh, pathway. So if you, I, I came from an adult pathway, adult internal medicine, followed by adult cardiology, and then adult congenital heart disease. Mm. For that reason, um, I spent significant proportion of my training at the pediatric hospital in Boston, uh, Boston Children's, mm. um, learning uh, the native legions and the things that um, basically were not part of my training as a general adult cardiologist. But as if you were a pediatric cardiology trained uh, physician, 
you would um, spend more time at the adult hospital um, gaining some of the experiences that adult cardiologists uh, gain during general fellowship and apply it to your population of adults with congenital heart disease. So within the ACGME training tracks, um, there are uh, approximately eight months of uh, different uh, training um, um, skills uh, that are different from, from between, between adult and pediatric uh, background uh, trainees. Okay, very interesting. And so um, medical school, four years, internal medicine, three years, cardiology, three years, <laughs> and then two years of fellowship. Is that, is that math add up? That, that math does add out. Okay, so it's 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 a long time before you're you're out in the world um, practicing. What what is that like from a a mental standpoint? Because a lot of students will hear that, and being an adult congenital heart disease specialist, maybe they're calling and and they're going to change the world with that specialty. But they see those numbers of, uh, numbers of years. And they go, now nah, do something else that'll get me practicing faster, get me earning a paycheck faster to start paying back my med school loans. What do you say to someone who, who's thinking in terms of how long is it going to take versus what am I going to be happy in? Yeah, this is a real problem that um, I guess the ACGME and ABIM have to really contend with, which is the super subspecialization of medicine in general. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, every subspecialty requires dedicated time on a fellow or a trainee salary. Uh, first things first, as a trainee, you, you are being paid a salary. And as you advance, that salary increases, obviously substantially lower than um, that of a practicing physician. Um, I would say it's a balance, uh, Ryan. Um, um, if um, people have, it's a balance between financial and personal interest needs, uh, meaning, if you are someone who has overwhelming financial uh, responsibilities and you don't have specific needs, that's an easier choice uh, than you would go to a pathway that offers you uh, with that income. And at the same time, you would enjoy it and be happy. Um, if you are someone who really would like to engage in uh, a specific subspecialty, and that would be typically developed during your med school time and rotations where you would really gain insight into all these different subspecialties. Um, I would say you have to balance it. Uh, what pathway gets you to your goal in the shortest, more efficient way? Um, things may change in the future where people, if they declare their interest, uh, they would shorten their residency training or their fellowship training. Who knows? Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of talks around that. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, to be honest with you, um, I started my first job <laughs> uh, when I was, uh, how old was I? Uh, 36? Yeah. Real job. Um, so that's a long time. But at the same time, within a couple of years, um, I was able to gain financial stability and um, I just love it. Uh, and remember, the more you love what you do, the more you're likely to excel and uh, advance in um, your your job. Uh, so you really have to kind of keep that in uh, in mind when you're uh, developing your uh, career pathway. Yeah, yeah, can't can't say it any better than that. So 
Talk about uh, call. What does call look like for someone like you? Yeah, we're a consultative service. So um, we don't actually spend nights in the hospital and whatnot. <laughs> take care of inpatient day-to-day operations. Uh, well, that's good because uh, you're so old by the time you're out practicing. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you residency and fellowship shortened my lifespan. Uh, that darn pager. Um, so... Yes. So we're consultative service. So I'm on call from home. Um, and when I started the program, I was pretty much on call 24 seven from home, but they don't call me every night. Yeah. Um, working at a big academic center, there are fellows in house. Um, uh, and, uh, there are a general cardiology service in house as well. So they call me with specific questions regarding the congenital heart disease aspect of the patient care. Um, and that's the, the, the case at most of the centers uh, and most uh, adult congenital heart practitioners, uh, that's how their uh, call is set up. Yeah. Okay. So that's a nice, nice little benefit there of, of that sort of subspecialty. Um, again, having set up your own program and being one of the first ones out in the world doing this very cool subspecialty, what should students who may be interested in this do to get your attention to maybe come to your program as a fellow? Maybe give them additional uh, uh, unprompted advice as well, which is early on in your career in med school, um, you really, really have to uh, pick the right mentor. Um, As you're going about your clinical rotations, I strongly recommend that you pair up with physicians who are clearly in love with what they do. Um, and you, you, you can't miss those. Uh, you can see that they're very happy. Uh, they're happy to teach. They have to take care of patients. They're dedicated uh, and they're well-balanced overall. Because um, those people are the more likely uh, physicians to inspire you. Uh, mm. into finding your own calling, not to do what they do, uh, but to um, basically learn by osmosis from these people. Uh, and there's a lot of those around in every subspecialty. Um, so that would be my advice. Um, the second advice is, even though it may sound like a super subspecialty, the field is vast. Um, So if you go to internal medicine residency or pediatric residency training, um, you are still going to experience and explore a lot of different subspecialties. So have an open mind. Mm. Um, And at the same time, if you're still interested in cardiology, spend time uh, in your research uh, time, in your uh, clinical rotations with cardiology service or physicians. Again, people who are very happy into doing what they're doing. And as you advance into cardiology fellowship, also have an open mind. You have to experience every subspecialty cardiology has to offer before you make up your mind. And the first year is, uh, offers you ample opportunities to do that. Uh, and once you develop your um, career pathway, you say, I want to do adult congenital heart disease, um, the rest is fairly standardized. You apply um, in uh, regular fashion. There's a matching program. And um, you go all around the country in your interview. Um, and there are approximately, I think, uh, anywhere between 15 to 20 training slots in the U.S. Uh, in adult congenital heart disease training. 
Um, and they're reasonably competitive. They're not super competitive, uh, which is good. Um, but at the same time, they're very selective um, in making sure that they train fellows who are able to lead programs or uh, pick up the mantle and continue and advancing the field at places that do not have uh, clinical care. For the osteopathic student or resident listening to this, what do they may need to do? What do they need to do it's to the same pathway. potentially so, get, get yeah, over any, what about pathway. any negative bias? Um, what negative bias? Um, Just negative what, bias against DOs in general that, that may be yeah, out there. So I'm, I'm a foreign medical graduate. Yeah. I, I'm Jordanian uh, originally, uh, grew up in Jordan, moved around the world and ended up in Egypt in med school because that's where they gave me full scholarship. Um, and, and then I moved to the U.S. So uh, there is bias everywhere. Yep. Uh, no matter where you go, uh, you will encounter people who are biased against you. Yeah. Um, just remember, uh, again, attract positive energy. Um, pair yourself with people who are going to propel you forward, not push you down. If you feel like, like you're trying too hard to... Um, appease to people, then that relationship, it's not working. Uh, a mentorship uh, relationship has to be mutually beneficial. Um, for the mentor, it's the, uh, it's the feedback and, uh, and the joy of mentoring young um, stars. And uh, for you, it would be, uh, the student would be gaining uh, wisdom and insight and drive uh, in what you want to do. Um, I have a lot of my colleagues who are, went through the osteopathic pathway um, and are adult congenital heart disease cardiologists. Um, once you train in advanced subspecialties, all this stuff that you thought was monumental um, fades away <laughs> into mm -hmm. the distant past. Um, and uh, you, you, what you have is your career and your patience um, at your hand. So don't let that stuff drag you down, uh, just keep pursuing, pursuing your passion and, uh, uh, you, you'll achieve your goals. Love it. Love that sort of positivity, that, that great mindset there for the future primary care doc listening to this, who may have a patient, uh, a new patient come, uh, move into their town and they, they find out that patient has a congenital heart disease. What do you want the primary care docs to know about your subspecialty to help them take care of their patients and, and help you do your job? It's a great question. So please, uh, the patient may tell you or the family may tell you, oh, the heart has been repaired. Um, first of all, there's no cure for congenital heart disease, at least not yet. Mm. Uh, so it's called palliation. Uh, even though they had surgery, uh, they still ha are at risk of complications later in life, and they require lifelong care. Uh, so if you see a sternotomy scar, uh, sometimes it's not a sternotomy, it's a thoracotomy. Um, or if they tell you they've had surgery as a child, um, go to the Adult Congenital Heart Association website. Um, and that website uh, lists all these centers uh, that have an organized program to take care of adults with congenital heart disease. Um, usually in most areas, there is a center within driving distance. Um, again, it's the Adult Congenital Heart Disease Association uh, clinic directory. Interesting. Okay. What do you know now that you wish you knew before going into your field? Everything's going to be fine. Uh, it's a cliche. <laughs> um, 
but uh, you, to some extent, to be honest with you, um, in medicine, you are going to create your own destiny. Mm. Um, and uh, the idea is to develop tenacity and resilience. Uh, not stubbornness, but resilience. Um, and keeping pushing forward, um, uh, I will say this again, uh, mentorship can have huge impact on your career. So seek it out. Even if you're at a place where you don't think there are uh, adequate mentors to the things that you want to do, um, you can connect with anybody internationally in the entire world in this day and age. Um, go to conferences. Conferences are a fantastic venue to meet and bump into people and talk to them. Otherwise, these people are super busy uh, and they are not going to give you their time um, during their work hours. Uh, conferences are a phenomenal opportunity, whether it's virtual or in person. Obviously, in person is better. So see locally at your, at your city if there's any conference in whatever subspecialty you're interested in and just go there. See what it's like hear the experts talk about their experiences, their clinical problems, see how they, see how they debate and interact with each other. Uh, that's a very, very important um, uh, venue for you to understand and get an insight uh, into the future of how it's like to practice in, into that subspecialty. And that's where you're able to pick up some of those mentors. Um, and don't be afraid, just go introduce yourself and say, I'm looking for uh, guidance and mentorship. And it doesn't matter what level of training you are. Um, again, if you identify the right person, that person will help you uh, achieve your goals. What do you like the most about your specialty? I go back to the patients and the interactions. I mean, we, I, they invite me to their weddings, bar mitzvahs. Um, they send me their cards. And I mean, when they get married or have a significant other or have other issues, um, it's that very strong relationship that I uh, have built with my patients mm. um, that really makes it worthwhile. Uh, and there's nothing like it. You can't put money on this. There's absolutely nothing like it. What do you like the least? Um, you know, as you grow, um, uh, I have kids and uh, my kids are little. Uh, so balancing uh, work-life Time is uh, a little bit challenging sometimes, uh, but you need to understand and gain perspective that this is temporary. Um, once you, your life socially, for whatever reason, uh, requires more of you to be present, um, there is a period of adjustment um, between your career and your personal life. So you have to be open-minded about it, and you have to have the attitude at your job that you can't function unless you are a happy person outside of work too. Uh, so that's another advice I would give people uh, when you're interviewing at places. Uh, if people are happy, uh, then that's a healthy environment uh, to be in. Uh, and that's just going to set you, set you up for success in your job or fellowship even training. Uh, if that place is not, then uh, there's a good reason usually. Uh, so you have to be careful with that. Uh, and never lose perspective. Family always comes first. Yeah. Um, and the job will figure itself out. 
With the field being so new, a typical question I ask is, do you see any major changes coming to the field? But this field seems like it's so new that like every day there's something new happening. Would, would you disagree with that? No. I mean, I, I attend the pediatric meetings. And the reason why I do attend them is I want to know what these guys are doing um, in kids who are born with congenital heart disease nowadays. A lot of these procedures, I haven't seen them before because mm-hmm. they were not done uh, when my patients were born. So every 10, 15 years, you get new waves of patients who underwent innovative new breakthrough surgical repairs or transcatheter repairs that are going to influence their physiology and subsequent risk of complications later in life. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, it's exciting. But also you can take some of those advances and apply them to adults currently. Uh, so that's crosstalk between throughout lifelong care is really what I enjoy yep. and continue uh, to learn. So we're all learners. If you had to do it all over again, would you still be a, an adult congenital heart disease specialist? Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I don't think there's any doubt in your mind there. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Nope. Any last words of wisdom for the student or resident maybe listening to this who, who may be interested now in this newfound specialty that they've never heard of? Yeah, so um, reach deep within um, your soul uh, and think of the things that actually make you happy. And if you can apply them, to your needs and expectations for your career, then that's great. But a lot of people just don't know yet. And it's okay. The best way to um, gain that insight is by experiencing. Hmm. So don't be afraid to experience. Experiences are not going to come to you by researching online. uh, And probably are not going to come to you by talking to your peers. You really have to go out there, attend conferences, uh, do elective rotations, uh, seek out specific specialties that you think are of interest to you, and just try them out. See how they're like. Uh, You'll be surprised um, how much uh, wisdom you'll gain very quickly by doing that and how much quicker and more efficient you are at reaching your end game, which is what exactly Uh, is your specialty of choice uh, for your future career. All right, there you have it. Again, Dr. Laith Al-Shawabki talking about adult congenital heart disease. And what's interesting to me is it's one of those newer fields and and he's kind of a a trailblazer out there um, creating programs and doing things and, and just setting the tone for years to come for all the trainees to come. So, If that's something you're potentially interested in, go check out adult congenital heart disease or maybe whatever subspecialty you may be interested in the future. You potentially could be like Dr. Al-Shwabke about uh, going setting and setting up programs in different locations. So hopefully this was a helpful episode for you, a great subspecialty of cardiology to help these patients as they continue to age through their life. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on Specialty Stories. This is MedEd Media.